Welcome to the podcast where relationships, confidence, and determination all converge into an amazing heartfelt experience. This is Speaking from the Heart. Welcome back to episode 14 of Speaking from the Heart. Today, we have Tom Pfeiffer, who will be joining us. He is the owner and founder of Consistent Voice Communications, LLC. The purpose of his business is to discover the unique voice of small businesses, associations, politicians, and individuals, and to consistently promote that voice through all types of communication styles. He is a former Southern California journalist. He has won awards from the Associated Press, United Press International, and others for his individual writing and group coverage. He was, for 15 years, a journalist and also press secretary to the senior Republican House member of the Judiciary Committee, providing a voice during the impeachment trial of President Bill Clinton, and was soon elevated to communications director, where he honed his skills in the art of persuasion through a variety of traditional and new media, which has garnered international coverage for his principle on a variety of issues ranging from terrorism to the late Michael Jackson. Today's interview was really exciting because of Tom's rich career and getting to know him about all the stories that he had was something that, for me, I felt a great privilege to have him school me, the podcast host of this show, to be able to understand a lot more about his rich career. And with that, let's go to the episode. We have Tom Pfeiffer with us today. Tom, thanks for sharing your heart with us. My pleasure, Joshua. Tom and I have gone back for a few years now. I was involved with a Toastmasters club, which has been a consistent theme for many of my guests that are appearing for the first time on here. And I always encourage everyone to check out a local Toastmasters club. You make excellent connections with people and you network with so many different individuals. Tom, I know that you are an entrepreneur and you have been running your own business do you mind telling us a little bit about your business and why you got started with it, just to start us out? Sure. Well, I've been a writer for more than 35 years, professional writer. And when my boss, who was a congressman from California, Elton Galloway, who you never heard of, decided to retire in 2013, I retired with him, except that I hung out on my shingle for the first time. And I had a TJP Writing Services was the name of my company at that point. And I was just doing marketing and press releases and whatnot for different companies. And it evolved into Consistent Voice Communications later that year, September of 2013. Right now, I encourage people to write their books and particularly entrepreneurs and speakers because it's a great way to get out and be recognized in your field as an expert in your field, which speakers need to be experts in their field. It's a great way to bring credibility and increase your earning potential. Absolutely. And as many people know with my business too, I really am trying to get people to also realize that the basic fundamentals, especially with starting out with public speaking, is all about just understanding more of not just your speaking voice, essentially how you project yourself, but also the messaging behind it. 
But speaking of messaging, Tom, when I read your bio, I was really impressed by just the impressive history that you've had as a reporter. And I don't think I even knew that for as many years as I've known you that you won awards with the Associated Press and Mm -hmm. you've been working with all kinds of different people on Capitol Hill as you were a reporter. Could you tell us a little bit about that experience? Because not many people probably really understand the beat that you have to do. And I know that you might have some really unique stories as a result of that. I think I do. I was the kind of reporter who made friends with the janitors and the secretaries and whatnot. Knew their names, knew their kids, knew their husbands' names, and knew their birthdays, and paid off one time when the chief of police shot himself in the butt one weekend. (laughs) I was on vacation. Wait, an officer actually shot themselves in the butt? (laughs) Chief of police. Wow. <laughs> That's <clears throat> that is hilarious. Go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I thought it was hilarious too. Particularly <laughs> since one of the lower rung people in the police station when I came back from vacation ran up to me and said, Where the hell have you been? She said, I've been on vacation. Why? She goes, Come here. She pulls me over the side. She whispers to me, They have a press release ready, but they're not gonna give it to you unless you ask for it. So what press release? She said, the boss shot himself in the butt over the weekend. <laughs> I marched into the PIO office and had this big grin on my face. And I said, I understand you have a press release for me. <laughs> that was a fun story. I bet. I bet you got a lot of reactions out of that one. It's like, I got the scoop. <laughs> 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 but. I'm curious, too. You said that you make friends with the janitors and secretaries. Now, let's put this in context. I know that for some people, they're probably scratching their heads and thinking, why would you ever make friends with people like that? Because I know for a reporter, because I studied journalism in college, you try to get the scoop wherever you can. And it's all about who you know and the connections that you make. Why the janitors? Why the secretaries? Because they know what's going on. I grew up in a blue-collar family, so it comes naturally to me to be friends with these people. They're my kind of people. And when something happens in their company, they want to feel important, too. And if you're friends with them, they want to tell you what's going on. And that's how I got the scoop over the Los Angeles Times and the Los Angeles Daily News, our little podunk Senior Valley Enterprise got the scoop on the story. Because I had friends in low places. When you were growing up, and you mentioned that your family, at least, brought you up in a blue-collar situation. Tell us a little bit about that. Was that something that really made an influence for you to enter into journalism? Was that a catalyst for you to get into that industry, that business? No. (laughs) Well, hey, at least you're straight up with me about it. (laughs) No, not at all. In fact, my aunt one time said when I told her I was going to be a writer, she said, well, just don't be a journalist. (laughs) Make me a promise. You won't be a journalist. So I promised her I wouldn't be a journalist. Probably what killed her, but oh well. (laughs) Well, if it wasn't for your family, then 
Tell me a little bit about your dad and mom. I'm kind of curious as to how they nurtured you growing up and got you to at least move into this direction, maybe not influence you, but at least move you. Well, they were against me going into the writing business because nobody ever made money writing. It was a laughable goal in my family was to be a writer because nobody had even gone to college in my family. Oh, wow. They didn't nurture me to be a writer. They nurtured me to grow up and do what I wanted to do. But when, uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. But writing was not in their top goals for me. They wanted me to be a lawyer or a doctor or something of that nature. Was there something that you read that maybe influenced you to be a journalist? Or was there other people that maybe inspired you to enter into the field? I know for myself, I could easily say that my parents were also a big detractor for me to not go into the direction I did, which was have a political science degree, do all this. I had the aspirations, too, of wanting to be a lawyer, but I completely shifted gears after the Great Recession of 2008. I knew that that wasn't going to be a viable career path. Was there something that maybe shifted you, maybe gave you influence to do that? Because you definitely do some awesome stuff when it relates to not just the business that you were talking about earlier, but I know that you help others as a result of writing those stories too, which we'll get into. But is there something that really propelled you? Well, I knew that Mark Twain and Ernest Hemingway had been journalists, so I figured it was good training. But I never planned on being a journalist. When I got to California after my construction accident in October of 1978, I found that community college was only $50 a semester out in California. So I said I'd be a damn fool if I didn't go to school at that point. So I took journalism because it was the only hands-on writing curriculum they had. I didn't want to learn about writing. I wanted to learn to write. I took that route. When you did take that route and you got into the job that you did with reporting the news for several decades, was there something that stood out for you in those years that when you were doing that career? In other words, was there somebody or something that helped propel you to continue doing it for as long as you have? If so, who's that person? And tell us a little bit about them, if you don't mind. Bob Southway was my first writing coach. And he came about because at the end of my first year of college, my journalism instructor came up to me and said, Tom, as far as I'm concerned, you're already a professional. There's nothing else that I can teach you. I went down to the local newspaper and took my way into an internship, wanted to test it. Bob Satterthwaite was the copy editor. They sent me out on a story. I don't remember what the story was, but I came back and typed it up and Handed it in. Those days, they marked it up with the number two lead pencil to correct spelling and typos and move words around if need be. And to move paragraphs around, they actually tore the paper and scotch taped the paragraph in a different spot. I'm sitting back in my chair waiting for the accolades to come in. <laughs> Bob gets up from his desk and walks over to me. Half smoke Marlboro hanging from his lips. And he looks at me and goes, pulls up my paper and it's full of lead and scotch tape. Crumpled it up, threw it at my head and said, rewrite that crap, Pfeiffer. 
I can't turn it into a proofreader like that. <laughs> wow. First person who ever spoke lowly of my writing. He became a mentor and a friend. When you have people like him enter your life and they kind of tear you down and pretty much rebuild you from where you are, which I've had people in my life that I can name off the top of my head that have certainly done the same thing and made me the person that I am today. When you have those sort of people and they're making that influence on you, I'm, I know that the industry itself has changed so much in the last several decades, especially with the rise of the internet and even having news on demand where we pick up our phone and essentially can read it at our own leisure whenever we want. Would your mentor be surprised as to how far we've come with that? Or would he have been probably scared of all these advances? And either or, what would you say is, well, let me put it this way. What would have been the reaction of him knowing all these things that have changed, especially in the world of journalism? What would he say to you and how would you navigate through that? Hmm. Good question. Because we never really had any of those conversations. When I went into journalism, computers were just coming out. I had to bring my own manual typewriter in because we didn't have enough electrical outlets for an electric typewriter. We were in the real beginnings of computers and whatnot when he passed away. Would he have ever imagined, I guess, is the question of holding it on your phone and being able to research it, having that sort of technology? Even if you don't know the answer as to what he might thought of, would you have ever thought, even as you were growing up in the journalism industry, seeing what we see today as just having so many news stories on hand. No. Yeah. <clears throat> Never would have pictured it. I, I think so too, especially myself. I think that it's usually very tough to conceptualize that we would have never, ever had this much information at our hands. But Tom, I want to pivot into really the essence of what you're doing now, because you definitely have had a long career of doing exactly what you are doing even right now, which is essentially telling stories, whether they are factual, not factual, or all in between. I will put a link into the show notes about Tom's business, which is Consistent Voice Communications. Tom, as a business owner and somebody that works with clients specifically relating to working on their story, what's one piece of advice that you typically give to someone that starting out, they have no idea where they want to go with their story or what their idea is of a story? What is usually your first step working with them? My first step working with them is to try to figure out what they have to say and what's important to them. And you ask questions and you ask questions and you ask questions until they have it clear in their own mind what they want to write about. It's not up to me to tell them what to write about. It's up to them to figure it out on their own. But I can ask a lot of questions and lead them to where they want to go. Is there a process that you walk them through other than maybe showing them what they are essentially developing on their own? Is there something that you help them see when they're bringing you that idea or they're bringing you that concept that they want to write out as a story? Well, let me ask you this. 
What's your first book on? Good question. I've been playing that around actually in my head, and I'll even let the audience know that one of the first things that I hope to write about at some point is about the stories that I've had growing up as a kid and leading up to where I'm at now, being an owner and a podcast host. So I really want to get a lot more, not just my autobiography, but I want to have it so that there's lessons built into it so that people can relate to them. Because I think that's really important to have lessons relating to the many stories that I want to write up. Right. You need to have a point. How do you flush out a point with somebody? What's your process with that? Usually I ask them what the point of the story is. And you'd be surprised where many people say, I don't think there is a point to it. <laughs> so then I ask them, well, why did you tell it? There's the old story about how my generation used to tell the story about how we walked to school, four feet of snow, three miles uphill both ways. Hell of a story. But what's the point to it? Well, the point is that we had life hard, so get off your whippy asses and get to work. <laughs> yes, let's get to work. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that sometimes that, for even some of the generation that we have now, that will be like, whoa, wait, I actually have to do something other than get, <laughs> be on my phone or be on my computer? I know you could tell me that, Tom. I understand that completely. <laughs> when you do have that point, and you do have those facts that back it up. I think what I really want to ask is when you are telling your story, what's your point to your story? Meaning I'm not just talking about your life story and how it relates to the bigger picture, but how do you resonate with people essentially? Because I think a lot of us want to resonate and they want to have connection. And I know personally for myself, sometimes I struggle with that in articulating it because of my autism and what I've been through as a result of all these life experiences. When we have this mindset, right, of what we think is going to be the point of our story, how do we get out of our own traps, essentially, when it comes to sharing it with another audience? Well, you just share it and see what flies. If it doesn't work the first time, then you Figure out why it didn't work. What words do you need to change? What emphasis do you need to change? Does the story even work at all for the point that you're trying to make? It's a trial and error. Everything in life is trial and error. Yeah. That goes with the speaking and storytelling business. Speaking of the storytelling business, being that you've been involved with it for so long, as I've mentioned repeatedly now, I want my audience to know and really drill down <laughs> that you have a lot of knowledge that you can impart. I really want them to know this. And that's why I, I keep emphasizing it. But with that said, I know that you probably have worked with a lot of people over the years and maybe even more particularly with your business. And without getting into any names or anybody that maybe you don't want to disclose, Tell me about somebody that you've worked with that you have seen tremendous success with and why. Why was that a success story? My publisher, Wayne Lee, <laughs> was a tremendous influence on me. He's also a great mentor. No-nonsense Texan. 
when I was working for him for about three weeks, ran into him in the bathroom and he's washing his hands and he stares at me through the mirror and says, I like working here, Pfeiffer. I said, well, I like it just fine, Wayne. I think I'm doing some good stories and having a good time at it. And he says, turns to me, he's wiping his hands off and he looks at me and he says, well, if I was a younger man, as honorary as I used to be, I tell you, I have a hard time working with me with my foot up your butt the way you spell. You ever hear of a GD dictionary? <laughs> wow. Wayne was a great influence on me and uh, still kept in touch with his daughter who lives in Kansas now, has two grown kids. When you see people like Rain that have been really successful and have been able to take it to the next level where that career was and before you worked with them and even after you work with them, do you get a sense of joy out of that in terms of not just the successes that they have, but do you feel that you have a little bit of a part of that? And when you feel that way, how does that make you feel? Because knowing that you have instituted and helped somebody to kind of move it from point A to point B, how has that shaped you into the Tom Pfeiffer that I'm talking to right now? Let me give you a little anecdote about Bob Woodward. When I was working for Congress, Bob Woodward came to speak to the Republican Communications Association, which I was a part of because I worked for a Republican. And I walked into the room and he was the only one in there. And he gets up and he walks over to me, he puts out his hand and says, hi, I'm Bob Woodward. I said, well, I know who you are, but let me explain who I am because I doubt very much you know who I am. <laughs> That was an eye-opener for me because he was real. And he didn't expect that anybody actually knew who he was. Or he probably did realize that people knew who he was, but that was his way of disarming people. Mm -hmm. And uh, it worked. You are pretty much a person in which not only have you worked with those individuals where like a Bob Woodward that are walking down the corridor and you think like, oh boy, they're never going to approach me like that. I'm just a nobody. I'm just, I'm just here to get the story. Do you feel that nowadays as we see this culture of political change happening, especially not to get into politics, but I'm kind of curious what your thought is about all the things that are happening in this world. And it seems like there's this tension about trying to get something done and to get a slash on the board for getting a point, essentially, for doing X, Y, and Z. Comparing it to where it was when you were even on the beat, do you think that things have gotten worse, gotten better, gotten maybe nah, nothing's really changed? I think it's just more awareness of it. What do you say has been some of the biggest changes as a whole with just being able to talk and have an open communication. And that might even include having stories that go along with it. Do you sense that there's a shift happening? Oh, major shift. Started with Newt Gingrich. Mm -hmm. Newt Gingrich decided that the old boys network in the Congress was no longer going to work. And we we're going to have partisanship and it grew ugly. Yeah. I worked for 
a very conservative congressman in California, and I was not conservative at all. First column I wrote for him, he came back to my desk and he said, well, that's a really good column, Pfeiffer, but I'm really surprised you wrote it. And I said, just because I wrote it doesn't mean I believe a word of it. We worked together for 15 years. When he decided to retire, he started referring to me as his token socialist. He used to introduce me to his constituents as his token socialist, which I had to agree with. How did that make you feel that he did that? I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, we're almost at the end of our time, and I know that you are doing a lot of things as it relates to your business. So I want to give you a few moments to tell our audience a little bit about it as a whole. Make your sales pitch to us about how we can reach out to you. Obviously, I'll put all this in the show notes, but I'll give you the last few minutes to tell a little bit about that. Sure. I'm a writing and speaking coach now certified speaking coach and been professional writer and editor for more than 35 years. I'm on a mission to have people write their books. Everybody has a story to tell and there's somebody out there who needs to hear it. In the words of Mark Brown, the 1991, I believe, world champion of public speaking. You can connect with me through my website, yourconsistentvoice.com. Or if you want to set up a 30-minute free, no-obligation phone call with me to discuss your ideas, go to connectwithtom.com, or you can call me, 540-823-6787. Thank you, Tom. And I have to say that I know that your career has been impeccable and that you are one of those people from a generation that is quickly fading. And I'm glad that I got to record this with you today because I think it's really important to know that there is a need for continuing to share our stories. And both the written form along with the oral form are both equally as important to be able to do that in a wide variety of different mediums. And you, sir, definitely have inspired me so much with many of the things that you have done over your career and what you have shared with me, even with our friendship that we've had. Thanks so much for taking some time with us today to share some of those experiences with us. And thank you for being on Speaking from the Heart. It's been really a great time with you. Thank you, Joshua. But I'm not going anywhere real soon. I hope you don't. <laughs> and I will stress that more than anything else. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Thank you. I really enjoyed our interview with Tom, and Tom is one of those people that is going to give it to you straight and to the point. And that's what I really enjoyed about Tom's appearance on this show, because for many of us, we often don't get that opportunity to meet people that have that influence over us so that we can learn so much about not only ourselves as an individual, but through the stories and through the aspirations that we learn as a result of all that, we can garner so much information from that. Now, Tom is one of those people that I have known through a number of years because of Toastmasters and through his unique experiences that he's had through consistent voice communications, which 
For those that are really interested in working with Tom, I'm going to throw a link into the show notes. He will help you with getting that story, and he's done a number of workshops personally that I've been able to help him critique and evaluate and get him to the next level as it relates to that amongst a group of peers that are aimed towards the same goal. Tom, when you're listening to this, thank you for being here and talking through a lot of this with us. There are a couple of things that I really enjoyed about our talk that I just want to point out. It was one of the things that he said in the beginning that I really enjoyed and I resonates with me and it made me think a lot about the times that I went through my early stages of working with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And he said to know the janitors and the secretaries. I think that's an important lesson for all my professional people out there that have an established career, that are figuring out what's important, what is needed, what is absolutely important for all of us to be able to move forward from point A to point B. It isn't just about knowing the influencers. It's about knowing the people that know the people that get the scoop. And I love that Tom took advantage of that in his early days, especially with many of the mentors that he talked about throughout the show. And he really got to the heart of it when he talked about this important point of the janitors and secretaries, because for me, if you don't have those relationships with people of all various backgrounds, it does create a big shift. There's a shift that is happening even right now. And Tom and I talked about this during the episode about how this shift of partisanship and even the things that are happening in the political realm have been happening quite a lot. It isn't about just having those differences. It's about having that communication style so that we are able to tell our stories. We are able to learn and gain influence over those people that are necessary for us to grow as not only professionals, but also personal individuals as well. Tom reminds me of a generation that had to work very hard to get to where they were at. It was based on merit. Merit is something that you learn to attribute to all the things that you grow, not only as an individual, but also the things that you do as a person overall through the various tasks, whether they're repetitive or you're learning new things about the business that you're trying to enter into. The same sort of practice still happens today with apprenticeships. When you're talking about people that are electricians, they're working on plumbing, they're working on even the electrical grid of the United States and even beyond. Those are the people that help to drive the ingenuity and the processes that we get to enjoy even to this day. And it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you're coming from in terms of country of origin. It doesn't matter where your knowledge sits in. It's about the important fact that you're able to provide something to somebody that allows them to go to the next level. And Tom really honed in on all those individuals that really flourished with him, allowed him to get ready for what was ahead. He touched on this, which I hesitated in even talking about it myself. And for those that had been listening to my podcast, know exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to parents. I know. Parents are sometimes a big drag. Sometimes they are really authoritarian figures that are trying to just ruin everybody's life. Maybe when it's your preteen or even a teen, maybe in your early 20s. Mom, Dad, I don't know why you're here. I don't know why you keep on bothering me. Leave me alone. I was one of those people. 
And I realized that influence isn't just based on our parents. It's about the people that we associate with. And I think for me, Tom talked about that for not just the reactions that he would get from being part of the room in which he was doing his work, but the work that he was doing was instrumental to communicating to a whole new generation that was coming up that would value the importance of the knowledge that would be gained from people that worked on the Hill, specifically Capitol Hill. And we all know that Capitol Hill is where a lot of deals happen. Deals happen for a variety of different reasons, whether they are to pass budgets, whether it's to move legislation to make things become a law. It is all the things that make democracy important for the foundation of our country, the United States. And even for those people that are outside of the United States, I know that it can be very challenging sometimes to even get cooperation from your own government when it comes to that. I know for even us, we have those difficulties here in the United States. But what makes this beautiful is that we have a voice. We have an advocate for that, and that is through our media. Tom defined a generation in which I know personally I am forever grateful for. Being an Alvernia University graduate myself, majoring in communications, specifically journalism, I had a professor named Dr. Mark DiPaolo who would teach those basics for me. And Mark was one of those individuals that flourished with that, with the use of technology, was rising during that time. Learning to be able to edit, learning to be able to be succinct, being able to run what was the school newspaper, the Alvernian, allowed me to be able to communicate to a generation myself, my own generation. And I think that's what is really important to understand, that there's no difference to what I've been through almost 18 years ago to what it is today. We still do that communication, whether it's through the various apps that we have on our phone, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, you name it, whatever is on your phone, we all have this variety of ways in which we communicate with each other. Tom set the foundation amongst a lot of different people, including Bob Woodward, which he talked about being able to meet when he was part of the press corps. Tom is somebody that I have been fortunate enough to realize that we are going to lose that generation and we are going to need to learn very quickly about the importance of getting back on track on what's important to report. Here's my next report to tell you, almost like what the late Walter Cronkite would tell you every night. This isn't just about the news. This is about the world. This isn't just about what's happening in your backyard. It's what's happening in your life. It's not just about the things that we do. It's about how we can have repercussions and opposite reactions as a result of ingesting and being able to learn all the different types of information that we have at our disposal. In other words, we take it for granted. Your speaking voice, the business that I started, isn't necessarily about how we can articulate ourselves and how we can create best values. I know that for many episodes previous to this, I talked about those values, and I talked about the importance of being able to understand those values as it relates to the bigger context. 
But what would it look like if you actually took some of the lessons of what Tom learned in his generation and we applied it to our generation today and we're able to create value for ourselves, whether that is through a news report, whether that is through creating stories in which he's able to do for his clients, or what would it look like if we would be able to rewrite our own stories so that we can tell a great story that has not only the opportunities in which we succeeded in, but we also talk about the failures that made us become who we are today. That is what's really important. And I think that for many of us, those are the lessons that we need to gain so that we can continue to grow, not only inside, but also outside for a whole new generation to learn. Thanks for listening to episode 14 of Speaking from the Heart. And I look forward to hearing from your heart very soon. Thanks for listening. For more information about our podcast and future shows, search for Speaking from the Heart to subscribe and be notified wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit us at www.yourspeakingvoice.biz for more information about potential services that can help you create the best version of yourself. See you next time.